Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. All right, before I read the scripture, you guys have a part again, right? You, you guys as a congregation have a part in the scripture. Um, I'm going to read out Psalms 150. It's the last chapter of Psalms. Right, Psalms is this book, and it goes through all the human emotions. I'm not teaching about the the, the, uh, the chapter, but it goes through all the human emotions, ups, downs, in betweens, and at the end, this is the last psalm that's placed there. So your response is, when I say praise the Lord, you praise the Lord. God inhabits the praises of His people, so you praise the Lord. Everybody there? Give me Psalms 150. Amen. Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Now praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, G. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We glorify you. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your presence. There's nothing like your presence. And Father, I stand in your presence. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. As a congregation, we, we draw near with our whole hearts, Father. You said in your word that if we'll seek you with all our hearts, we'll be, that you'll be found among us. And I thank you that we seek after you, Father, through prayer and through scriptures and through praise and worship. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. May faith come. May faith come in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I thank you that this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you that we have world-changing faith. Thank you that our faith changes the world, changes our world, changes this world. Thank you, Father. We thank you for the word of God. Father, we're just so very grateful for the word of God, for it is our, our life, it is our lamp, it is our light. I thank you that we're not walking in darkness, but Father, we take heed to the word of God. We are in love with your word, Father. Oh God, I thank you for the word. Come on, let's praise God for the word. We thank you for the word of God, for it is the rule of faith and practice. Father, it is the source of our faith. We thank you for the word of God, Father. We praise you for the word of God, that you did not leave us without direction. You did not leave us without help. Thank you, Father, that the spirit of God, he's been sent to, to lead us and guide us into the word of God, which is the truth. I thank you for your reality, Father. Thank you that your word is a healing balm to our bodies. Your word is peace to our minds. Your word causes our bones to, to uh, thank you, creating marrow in our bones, Father. Thank you for the word of God, even filling teeth and removing infections and doing create, creative power, Father. Your word is creative power. For even as you have spoke, you spoke in Genesis. You're speaking now through your words. You uphold the, the universe with your word. 
Father, I thank you that you have exalted your word above your name. Thank you for the word of God. I thank you, Father. Thank you for the word, for it is the word that we have life, that in the word we have life, and it is the light of men. Thank you for the word of God, for it is spirit and it is life. Father, as your son and as your slave, I thank you, Father. I connect my spirit to my tongue. Thank you, Lord, and I speak as the mouthpiece of God to these, your people. Grant unto me your son and your slave, supernatural utterance that I may boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. Thank you, Father. I step into those two offices that you've called me to, pastor and teacher. And Father, I flow from these graces. Help me to pastor your people into green pastures. Help me to lead them into the treasures of God's word. Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, help us to become more like Jesus. Give unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints? What is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe? Thank you, Father, for this is a good day. This is the day that you have made, and in it we do rejoice. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We thank you for, for such an awesome Sunday, Father. Thank you for our awesome service. And we give your name glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. It's good to be here. It's good to be with the people of God. Amen. 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 Um, we're we're going to continue our series on faith. Last week, we talked about the faith life. How many enjoy the faith life? Amen. Go back and listen to it. And today we're going to talk about living faith, living faith. And if you have your Bibles, go with me to Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one. I'm going to be going between KJV and ESV. Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one, living faith, living faith. Our goal today is to pump some more faith in you. Amen. I mean, know oh, that faith is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. It'll change your world. It'll change your, the dynamics of your family. Um, it just faith. Faith is something that we do not need to neglect. We need to major on that like never before. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse 16 in 17, King James says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we see that the Apostle Paul is emphasizing that we are to live by faith. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2. We're just looking at our uh, foundational scriptures. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, and yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead. Christ, then Christ is dead in vain. So we, we see that uh, verse 21, this wasn't really a part of my uh, foundational text. You can't frustrate God's grace, and we don't want to do that. 
But I like the fact that he says, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of God. Then the New English translation says, I live by the faithfulness of God, of the Son of God. I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we know that the that God has called us as Christians to live by faith. Um, there's nothing like it. If you haven't started living until so you start living by faith. Amen. Even as a Christian, you know, you 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 have Christ in you and you got born again. And and but it's something to be said when we live by faith. Every day we we have an opportunity to put our pr- faith into practice. Um, faith in the morning, faith in the night, in the middle of the day, faith at night, and faith while you sleep. You release the, your faith to to go to work for you. Faith is like a servant. It will work for you if you work it. If you employ faith, faith will work for you all the time, around the clock. You know how sometimes you can have investments and you invest financially and how that investment is working constantly. It's working when you're sleeping. You know, money is working. Money is coming to you. Come on, somebody need to receive that. <laughs> money is coming to you while you're working. There's interest. There's things happening. Well, faith will do the same thing. Faith will work for you all the time. And it is possible to overload your faith. And we don't want to do that. But if we'll be led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will lead us to how to walk this walk of faith. I was sharing with somebody earlier this week and how we're not called to take leaps of faith, but we're called to take steps of faith, walks of faith. I don't see much in the scripture where God tells us to take leaps of faith, but he calls us to take walks of faith, steps of faith. Faith is is central to the Christian faith. It's called the Christian faith, right? It takes faith to walk this journey with Christ. And there are many correct definitions of faith. And so I want to give you a few. Uh, There's two things that we need to discuss before we get into the definitions of faith. And that's unbelief and doubt. Unbelief and doubt. Uh, There there is, um, and we'll expound on this hopefully next week before we go into the Christmas um, service. Unbelief, I looked it up just the um, Webster Dictionary and also the Oxford Dictionary. Uh, unbelief is a lack of religious belief. Uh, it, it's also an absence of faith. So when we're talking about unbelief, we're talking about the absence of faith. It is, it is disbelief and rejection of the truth. So you choose to walk in unbelief. It's not something that you necessarily struggle with, but you choose to walk in it. Now, doubt, on the other hand, is disbelief, and it's also questioning the truth. Another definition of doubt is fear. Fear is the reverse of faith. So when we have faith in God, fear is having faith in the devil. When you worry, you are having faith in the words of the devil. So the Bible tells us never to worry, right? Do not be, do not be anxious. So don't worry about anything, but by everything, by prayer and supplication. So we're not called to worry about things. When you worry, you nullify your faith in God. You give yourself over to doubt. You're questioning maybe if God will come through. But how many know that he comes through to those who call upon him in faith? So here's some definitions of faith. Um, um, one definition is assurance. Another definition is belief. Definition is fidelity. 
Another definition is a personal surrender to him. The trustworthiness of God is faith. The faithfulness of God, the contents of belief, what we believe is faith. A pledge of fidelity, that's also faith. Uh, if you look it up, also it means a reliance upon, upon Christ for salvation. I mean, no, you got to rely on Christ. Rely, you throw yourself. Sometimes when I lead sinners into the sinner's prayer, I have them say, I, I throw myself on Jesus. I rely on him. If he can't do it, I can't be saved. And so I think that it, it, it helps us to see faith is a total reliance upon Christ for salvation. And the word salvation is not only rescuing from our sins, but it also means prosperity, protection, and health. Faith is also belief. It's also unquestioning belief that does not require proof of evidence. When you have real faith, Bible faith, you don't question. It's possible to have faith in your heart and doubt in your head. Well, you believe something in your heart, but your mind is wondering about it. Faith is alliance to some person or thing or loyalty. It's also a system of beliefs or religion. It's a practice definition of faith. And I'll give you these last two. Faith is also a firm persuasion and conviction of the truthfulness of God. A firm persuasion, conviction of the truthfulness of God. Last week, we talked about three categories of faith. No faith, little faith, and great faith. No faith, little faith, great faith. And we said that unbelievers have no faith. In God. Believers have faith in God. We all have been dealt the measure of faith, according to Romans 12 and I believe verse 3. But we can develop our faith and grow our faith. So it's a firm persuasion of the convictionness, the conviction of the faith, the truthfulness of God. You're convicted, you, you, you're persuaded. The Bible says in Romans 4 that Abraham was persuaded. He believed God. He hoped against hope. And how many know we need to do that? There's times that we have situations before us and your mind may be wondering, but faith in God will will root you or ground you. We need to be grounded in the persuasion and the conviction conviction of the truthfulness of God. How many know that God's word is true? And we, we need to believe God's word. And last week, I need to clarify something when I say that that everything in the Bible isn't true. I wasn't questioning the inerrancy or the, um, the Bible itself. The Bible is God's word. And when I said that, I was making reference to there are people in the Bible who, are, who lied or what they said was not the word of God in the sense of being the truthfulness of God, but the story itself is inspired. Are you with me? It says in the Bible that Cain lied. Well, it, it gives us that that Cain lied to the to God to God. He said that God came down. He says, "Where's your brother?" And and, and he says, "I don't know. <laughs> Am I my brother's keeper?" He lied. So that itself is not truth. You, you you understand what I'm saying? But the narrative is truth, and the story is inspired by the Father. So I'm not questioning the. You'll never catch Pastor Dwayne questioning the Bible. 
it is the word of God. So my dad shared that with me when I was a teenager and I wanted to fight him because he says not everything in the Bible is true. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, there's people who said things in the Bible that wasn't, it wasn't true. You know, just I was talking to um, a, a family this this week and we were talking about the book, book of Ecclesiastes and, and, and it says vain, all is vain, vanity, vanity, all is vain. That is not necessarily true. Because what the writer of Ecclesiastes is trying to do is show us how to live, live life. Are these answers? We have lots of questions in life. But if you read Ecclesiastes by itself, you'll be lost and says, all is vain. But we know it, not all is vain. It is pointing to Jesus. <laughs> the whole book of Ecclesiastes is pointing to the Christ. So it's, it's not meant for like, man, oh, that means all is vain. Vanity, vanity, vanity. <laughs> and, and, and so you hear the spirit, what I'm saying? We're not questioning the word of God. We believe that these 66 books are inspired. The Holy Spirit moved on holy men of God of old who wrote under his um, direction and his inspiration. And they wrote in such a way in the original manuscripts that it was God breathed. And we can we can and we can take that word and we can stand on it and we can have a true conviction of the truthfulness of God, and that's what I'm talking about, right? And so I just want to clarify that. Don't walk away thinking that there that you know there's only the Bible only contains a part of the Word of God. All of it is the Word of God, but there are some people who lied in the Word of God that was inspired. The story, the narrative itself, is inspired. Everybody's clear now. Yeah. <laughs> Don't walk away and say, oh, not all of it is the word of God. <laughs> and now I'm about to stone you. <laughs> <laughs> and my last definition, <clears throat> that you won't find this in black and white in the Bible, but my last definition is a working definition of faith. Faith is acting upon the word of God. <laughs> that's, a, that's a working definition. Faith is a statement of belief. Faith is total dependence upon Christ for salvation. Faith is a spiritual force, but faith is acting upon God's word. Faith is believing. Everything on the Christian faith or this Christian journey hinges on faith. You cannot go around it or get around it. We know from Romans 1 verse 17, the just shall live by faith. Romans 5, 1 through 2 says peace with God is through faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. Ephesians 2.8 says we are saved by faith. Hebrews 11.6, he says you cannot please God without faith. Everything in the Christian life requires faith. God demands faith, even when you don't understand it. Romans 14 verse 23 says whatever is not of faith is sin. So we, we, we are people of faith, so we need to speak in faith, we need to sleep in faith, we need to eat in faith. Faith is always present tense. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter. So it's kind of hard to talk about faith without talking about Hebrews 11. Living faith. I want living faith. I don't want dead faith. I want faith that is alive. Faith that is active, faith that will change my life. We, um, I, 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 when I take the kids to school, I, I have them say this confession. And I say that, you know, I'm sharp 
and I'm smart and I'm bright and I'm good looking and I'm healthy and I'm wealthy and I'm quick and I learn things 10 times quicker than the average person. I'm favored of God. God surrounds me like a shield with his favor. When I come in contact with people today, I come in contact, they come in contact with the favor of God. And I have them confess, this is by the Spirit, that God's favor is smeared over my name. And that my future, God smears my future with his favor. So my boys are going to walk into favor everywhere they go, every step of life because they're making confession. And then they, they also make them say, I'm a history maker. I'm a world changer. I'm changing the world for the glory of God. I'm a leader among my peers. And I follow Jesus and I follow the Holy Spirit. I fear no man, no woman, no animal, no doctor, no disease, and no needles. I have a fearless life. This, these are things I have them confess. And, I, and, um, and then I, I, and I have them confess, I'm a young man of God, and I will marry a godly woman, and I have and raise godly children. I never know lack. And I just have them go on and on and on, and just getting the word of God. The reason why I have a wonderful wife is because of the confessions of my mother. She confessed Every single day, Monday through Friday, I don't know about the weekend, Monday through Friday, she used to lay hands on me, which got on my last nerve. And every day she anoint me in the name, I plead the blood of Jesus. And, and she would confess Luke chapter two, that I have favor with God and man. That's why y'all like me because of her faith. <laughs> and I, I thank you that he has favor with God and man and that he'll marry a godly woman. She confessed that. Amen. So your confession is, and we're going to talk about that in a few, I think. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I used to think that Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 was actually the definition of faith, but it is not. It actually tells us what faith does. I'm going to read this out of ESV, King James first. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This doesn't sound just good. Like, now faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, faith is present tense, but that now is not actually reflecting the present tense of faith. It is the, it, it's, it's been used as a conjunction connecting the previous chapter with what, is, what Paul, I believe, who wrote the book of Hebrews, is saying. Now, faith, ESV, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Um, Christian, the Christian um, Bible standard, CSB, Christian standard Bible says this, that faith is the reality. I'm misquoting it. That's why I wanted the Bible. Faith is the reality. It's reality. I, I just totally tore that up. All right. It's okay. Uh, it's not the end of the world. It's on here. CSB. Okay. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. For by this, our ancestors were approved. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Let's look at this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The Moffat translation says, now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for and convinced of what we do not see. Another translation says that faith 
give substance to things hoped for. So when you're believing God and going through, it says, my faith is giving substance to what I'm hoping for. We're going to talk about the ingredients of faith, how living the faithful life or living the faith life. Um, Kennedy Hagan says, what God is simply telling us is that faith is laying hold of the unseen realm of hope and bringing it into the realms of reality. Faith, you cannot believe beyond actual knowledge. You need knowledge of God's word in order to have biblical faith. Faith isn't in a fall, that it, but it's rooted in the word of God. Sometimes when people talk about faith, they don't talk about the fact that you need biblical knowledge in order to have faith. You can't grab hold of something and call it faith, and you don't have knowledge of that. So faith gives substance. My faith has given substance to what I'm hoping for. It's the reality of what is hoped for. It is the proof of what is not seen. My, how do you know God exists? Because of my faith. It, you know, faith is a gift. And I'm not talking about in 1 Corinthians 12 where it talks about the gift of faith. But faith is a gift. It, it, it's a gift from God. Ephesians 2 talks about the grace and the gift. And the, the grace and the, and the faith are both gifts. And so faith is a gift from God. It is a firm persuasion of the truthfulness or the conviction of the truthfulness of God. It is me being persuaded that God is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. I'm I'm convinced, I'm persuaded that God is God and that he, he is faithful to his word. Now let's talk about hope. Uh, let me, I'm going to jump down real quick. Um, there are some ingredients that you need in order to, there are eight major factors to having living faith. I was going to share this at the end, but I'm going to share this in the, in the beginning and then we'll go and unpack it. The first one is the word of God. The word of God, you can't have faith outside of the word of God. Um, the word of God is the source of our faith. Some people want to have faith. They want to make confessions. You know, I'm not saying that you got to always have scriptures, every scripture on your faith, right? But it needs to be in sync with the scriptures. I'm sharp, I'm smart, I'm bright, I'm good looking. Where do you find that in the Bible, Pastor Dwayne? I'm glad you added. It's at Isaiah. It talks about the Spirit of the Lord. It was upon Jesus, and he says this, that he, he was going to be quick, a quick understanding. And so we were confessing that, and then we see that the Hebrew boys and Daniel had, um, they were 10 times smarter in, in, in science and, and mathematics and D- D- Daniel. And so they were living under the old... Old Testament, how much more for those who are in the New Testament in, in the light? So you got to have the Word of God. This Number two, you got to have a working knowledge of the Word. It's one thing to have the Word of God, but some people don't know how to put the Word of God into practice. You can, you can tithe and give offerings, but if you don't do it in faith, it's not going to work for you. You can pray, or you can pray all day, but if you don't pray in faith, it's nothing's going to happen. Um, you can study the scriptures, you can memorize scriptures, but if you don't memorize them in faith and, and study the scriptures and believe what you are reading and, and be persuaded, say, I believe this. I'm, I'm telling you, it's something about releasing the Holy Spirit while you're studying the Bible. Sometimes when I, before I read, I actually say, Lord, I pray to Ephesians 1 prayer and I say, Lord, I, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit for opening my eyes. It is vain. Listen to this. Uh, let me not say that. Uh, it, 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 it it's very challenging just to read the Bible without the Holy Spirit. You need him. <laughs> Say, I need him. 
I'm telling you, if you release him, you'll get revelations on the begots if you'll start releasing him in your study and reading time. I'm telling you, I read this week, I read through Genesis. I was reading through Genesis and I, I started, get, I couldn't get past chapter three because I got such um, revelations of the, the narrative story of the creation. I want to share a little bit with you. Let's, let's just do it. I'm, I'm going to go there. I'm going to take my time. Genesis chapter one. I was reading this this week and I, I, after I prayed the Ephesians one, and then I, I said, Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. He's been sent to help me. And he's going to lead me and guide me. He's going to anoint my mind. Do you know that the Spirit of God will anoint your mind to understand the Bible? I'm telling you, you'll understand things that you, your wildest, your, all your study in your life could not come to the understanding of which the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was over over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and darkness, and he called night. I, I can go on and on. But we see here that some have said and have kind of brought their presuppositions to chapter 2, saying the earth was without form and void and darkness as if there was something chaotic that took place. I'm not sure that that's what it's saying. I believe that it just simply said it was just void, and then God created. We see God creating the world through his words, giving us a model into, in which how to create our worlds. <laughs> I was like, man, this is good. And then we see that going that God told Adam in, um, that death was pronounced upon Adam after he ate the fruit. So we see there's nothing mentioned of death prior to that. So death came as a result of the fall. And so death is an enemy. Where death is not our friend. I'm a friend of death. Oh, he calls me friend. <laughs> Shot. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> death is my enemy. And he, so we see death entering into this world, and then we see that um, we see that God, that Adam, was listening to his wife, who is a lesser authority than God. So when we listen to a lesser authority than God, we'll miss it every time. So that's what I got. So that's just a little bit. Let's go back to Hebrews eleven. Um, you need a working knowledge of the Word of God. Hosea chapter four verse six. It says, "My people perish for the lack of knowledge." Because they have rejected my knowledge. And so if you don't have a working knowledge of, of, of the word of God, uh, you won't really have what you need to have living faith. Also, you need hope. Hebrews 11, 1. And we'll talk a little bit. We'll talk a lot about that. Then you need love. How many know you got love? Love is needed for your faith to work. Galatians 5, verse 6 says, faith works by love. So if you want your faith to really work, you got to have love as the foundation of your faith. And then we'll get into this maybe next week, our patience. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 says, it's through faith and patience they inherit the promises. And so the longer it takes, the better off you are because patience is having our perfect work in you. So patience is necessary. Sometimes people want to make confessions and then they wonder why it's not working. It's patience. It's faith and patience. And then say when you make it first time, it's going to happen. We see the Son of God, who is God manifested in the flesh, how he cursed the fig tree, and it took about 24 hours before it manifested. But it started working the moment he said it. 
The moment you curse the disease, the moment it, that disease start dying. And you got to stay with it. You got to keep the switch of faith on. Sometimes people turn off the, the, the switch of faith. Then when they see the pastor, they want to turn it back on again. I believe God, pastor. When I walk out the room, ah, Lord, just take me. It happens. It's happened so many times to me. I'm like, well, what were they saying? Oh, they said they was wondering about now. And they didn't, they didn't think they were going to make it. But then he's telling me, I'm going to live and not die. <laughs> the other thing is right confession. You got to have the right confession. You can't have the wrong confessions. You, you know, people confess. You, you got to stay with it even when you don't see it. You, you, you know, don't stop till you get it. Don't stop till you get it. You, you, you got to keep, keep at it. Uh, and then one of the one of the major key to having your faith work is not being a liar. You got to be a truth teller. Mark 11 says, what sort of things you desire, or, or actually says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be not removed, be not cast into, be not cast into the seat, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith, King James Version. So you got to believe your own words. And liars will always have a conflict of believing God's word. They always struggle with that. Because if you don't keep your own word, then you, don't, you expect God not to keep his word. And so if you're a liar, you can't have faith in God because <laughs> you, you think God is just like you. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is it the son of man that he should repent. God has spoken it and we believe it. But if you don't believe your own words and when you speak his word, then you think that he's just like you and therefore he's not working. It's not working. And you got to also be a man of your, a woman of your word. If you don't keep your word, then you don't think God's going to keep his word. So that stuff, little stuff like that will affect your faith. And last but not least, it's godliness. You got you to live right. <laughs> Some people want to make confessions, but they don't live right. <laughs> They're not godly. They lying. They, they stealing. They sleeping around. They, it's not working. It's not going to work. You make all the confessions. Ah, oh, money comes to me. <laughs> and it's not coming because your lifestyle is so foul, it's stopping money from coming to you. You know, you you're not, you're not, you, you don't arrive on your job on time. That affects you, too. All right. That, that was just the eight. So that was supposed to be at the end. So we, now we're going to major on hope, and I'm going to let you out. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Let's go back. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance. Faith gives substance to what we're hoping for. Hope is so key to our faith. Sometimes people just want to, they want to um, throw away hope. Hope is so important. Hope is essential to our faith. Hope, definition, a basic definition of a hope. Hope is not a wishing hope. I hope it doesn't rain. <laughs> Sometimes people place hope like somebody playing basketball and they're just shooting blanks. They're just hoping that it'll go in. But a skilled player will know that it goes in every time. So hope. It's the confident expectation. That's the definition of it. Confident expectation. The return of Christ is called the blessed hope. So we are confident. We're not wishing Jesus to come back. We are confidently expecting his return. He can crack the sky before we end the service. <laughs> and so hope is you confidently expecting. You expect the mail to come at a certain time. You, you expect 
your paycheck to be in, the direct deposit to be in your account every two weeks, every week, or every month, right? Come on. You expect that. At the end of the work day, a work week, the week of you getting paid, you expect your check. And if you don't get it, you're going to go check on it. <laughs> Come on, right? Like, what, what's up? What's up? I, I did all these hours. You're not going to pay me? All right. But, but God's promises will produce hope in you. The Bible is a Bible of hope. It is a Bible, a Bible, of, a word of a book of faith, but it's also a book of hope. It gives hope to the hopeless. It gives us confident expectation. We can we confidently draw near to God and we expect him to hear us when we pray. He watches over our he hears our prayers. He watches over us. He gives his angels charge over us. He 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 delights in our praise and worship. Our hope we believe he's returning back. He's going to come back. We believe in a heaven and a hell. We have hope, real hope. Hope is the blueprint for your faith. And hope can only come from the word of God. You can expect something that God didn't promise. So you got to have the promises, and the promises of God will give you the hope that you need. Before you can have faith, you got to have some hope. And this is where a lot of faith people miss it. They, have, they, they put down hope and they're making these confessions, but they have no faith needs your hope to grab hold of. So what are you hoping for? Write down some things while I'm talking. What are you hoping for? What are some hope that you have? Uh, some people may hope for healing. I want to be healed. I want healing to be my portion. Maybe you, you have gum disease. Maybe you have aches and, and, and pains in your body. What, 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 what do you hope? Do you hope for healing? Or perhaps you need a creative miracle. Hope for miracles. You know, there's a difference between healing and miracles. If you have no leg, and you believe God for a miracle, you don't need healing for the leg, you need a miracle. God's creative power to be at work. If somebody dies, you need a miracle. <laughs> or you hope for direction when you pray. You believe that God is gonna lead you and guide you, so you need some direction. Or you hope for wisdom. Or you hope for provision. You need some resources to pay your bills and to, do the, to fulfill the assignment on your life. Or you hope for help when you're stressed out and you, you got kids everywhere and you got dishes piling up and you, and you got work to do and you got school and, and you're just like, help. SOS, right? Help, I need help. Help, Lord. I believe God will help you. But you gotta, you gotta get believe that he is a help in the present time. I mean, he's your help in the, in the present times of trouble, right? You believe that he's going to help you. I need some help. I need some strength, Jesus. I need some wisdom, Jesus. I need some peace. Maybe you're hoping for some peace. You, some, some people may not be able to sleep at night and you're hoping for some good night's sleep. You want to sleep in some peace, not sleep like a baby. You want to sleep better than a baby because sometimes babies don't sleep all night. They have things happening and they have gas, you know, all throughout the night and they can't sleep. And maybe you just need some peace while you sleep. Hope for peace. 
Let's go to a couple of scriptures. Let's go to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Let's, let's do this out of ESV. Romans chapter 15. Are, are you getting some hope today? <laughs> are you getting some faith today? Amen. Romans chapter 15, hope. I, I, we, we, we got a major on hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 is a prayer. You should highlight it if you have a physical Bible or highlight it on your phone. It's amazing. Sometimes some people think they're on the phone. I mean, you know, they fooling people. I'm on the phone looking up the Bible. Uh, but some people are actually playing games <laughs> while the preaching going on. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> if you got convicted, repent. Uh, may the God of what? Of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in what? And hope. This is a good prayer to pray. He's the God of hope, and he's gonna, he wants to fill you with all joy and peace while you're believing, believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may continue to abound in some of your expectations. And um, Hebrews tells us not to cast away our confidence. 1 Peter 1, 3 talks about living hope through the resurrection of Christ. Now go with me to Romans 8. I think that this might be my last scripture, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and let's look at verses 18 through 25. For, I'm going to read this quickly. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So the sufferings that you're facing right now is nothing to be compared to the glory that's going to happen at the return of Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Joy does come in the morning. You, you know, the things you cry about today, you'll laugh about tomorrow. You know, we, sometimes when we're going through hell, we think that it's going to last forever. But it's only, it's only enduring for a moment. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Amen. And so our hope is to be delivered from these afflictions. Amen. Not only hope in the return of Christ, but hope while in the earth. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. There's a false teaching out here that says, well, the world is waiting for the true sons of God. Have you heard that? Or the real sons of God to be revealed. False doctrine. It's, it's really returning, talking about the return of Christ. For the creation was subject, subjected to fatality, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption, obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So creation is groaning. I believe that when you see earthquakes and, and different things happening, I, I believe the creation is groaning, waiting to be set free from this bondage of sin. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, not only the, not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoptions of son, as sons, the redemptions of our body. So this is talking about the redemption of our body. We ourselves, have you ever been to a place where you don't feel like you, you are settled in? You get a new house, you move to a new, another location, it, you, you, don't, you feel out of place. 
Because nowhere you go, no, no matter where you go, you always will feel like you're homeless. Uh, we, because we're citizens of heaven. We, we have a greater hope, a, a greater uh, a place that's beyond this world. So even in your nice house, you still will feel unsettled. You know, you still don't feel like home because this world is not our home. We groan. There's a groaning inside of us. It talks about verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. So when we got born again, we came in believing, at least you should have, came in believing that heaven was your home. <laughs> that, that you got saved with the hope that when you die, you'll go to be with Jesus. That's hope. You should have got saved that way. You didn't get saved because of making life easy for you. Or that all your problems will be eliminated. That you'll have no more trials. But you got saved with the hope that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus. That's how we get people born again. For in, that, in this hope, we're saved. That one day we'll have a new body. And one day we'll be free from this life of sin. We'll be free from the bondage in which sin has captured this world. It says, verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. So you can't hope for what you don't see, what you do see. So if you, if you see it, it's not hope. So if you're, if you're seeing sickness in your heart, in your life, it's, that's not hope. The hope is that you will receive healing. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So our hope is not a wishy hope. It's a confident expectation. Now, faith gives substance to things hoped for. We have hope beyond this life. We have living hope. We, our hope is not disappointed. Romans chapter 5 says that our hope would not bring us to shame. We have hope. What, what, what are some things that, you, don't, don't speak out loud, but what are some things that you're hoping for? I want you to write down three things that you're hoping for. Perhaps it's marriage. Perhaps it's debt freedom. Perhaps it's wisdom, guidance, joy. What are some things that you're hoping for? I want you to write down at least three things. What, what does the word of God, and remember, you can only have hope where God has promised something. So if there's no promise, there's no hope. <laughs> so some people are hoping for things. I, 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 I never forget, uh, me and my friend um, Brad, we were doing ministry, and, and this young lady had her eyes on Brad, and he was giving her um, something, I guess it was a bag or something, and he touched her on the hand just by mistake. And from that touch, she had hope that she was going to marry Brother Brad. She was talking to all her sisters and her friends that I'm going to get married to this wonderful man of God. And she was even looking at wedding dresses. That's not real hope. <laughs> She was so disappointed. He's like, I, I had no clue. It was an accident. I got to make sure I don't touch anybody. <laughs> True story. Sometimes people are hoping for things. You know, there's a scripture that says, 
um, and you and your whole household shall be saved. And people, what they do is they have hope that their whole household will be saved. But that's not a promise. It's not a promise. What, what that is, is it's, it's simply saying that Cornelius and his family heard the gospel. And because they heard and believed, their whole, whole household was saved. So this idea of household salvation sounds good. But you can't really have hope in that scripture. Because that scripture is talking about Cornelius and his family because they heard. If your whole family doesn't hear the gospel and believe, they're not going to be saved. <laughs> that just messed up some people. Some people are like, oh, man, I was hoping for household salvation. I'm not saying you can't pray for it, but you better find some scriptures in which you can have some hope for household salvation. Amen? <laughs> we, we have to be careful of not taking scriptures out of a setting because true faith is distorted at that time, at that place. When you, when you take scriptures that, you know, a promise. I remember I, someone evil, uh, they hated on me. I don't know why. I, I think I'm a nice guy. Uh, at least I was. And for some reason, they hated me. And um, one day, they broke into my apartment and stole all of my CDs. And um, I had about 2,000, 3,000 CDs. And uh, if you know me, I love music. I got the Lord correcting me. I like music a lot. And I so I, I told the, the church secretary, and she said, well, you know, you can claim sevenfold. And it sounded good. So that means sevenfold times 2,000 is what, 14,000. So I should have 14,000 CDs. And, uh, and she's like, yeah, the enemy came in. You, you, you can claim sevenfold of what the enemy stole. It sounded good. But... But they were basing it out of Proverbs 7, which is talking about a man committing adultery <laughs> and stealing. It, 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 it's, it's, it, it was messed up. And, and I had no hope. So I could go around claiming sevenfold. It's not going to happen. It's just like somebody claiming a hundredfold of their tithes and offering. When we say hundredfold here, we're talking about a record harvest. We're not talking about a hundred times. So how many of y'all been tithing since you were little? No, just a few of us, right? <laughs> We've been tithing since we were little. So we should be zil beyond zillionaires if it's a hundredfold. So sometimes people claim a hundredfold thinking it's a hundred times whatever you give. God doesn't promise that. He promised a record harvest. That's what he's trying to say. He's not trying to say a hundred times whatever you give. Because we would be the wealthiest people in the world. I hope that I didn't mess y'all up for that. <laughs> like, oh, man, I was claiming that hundredfold. You have us confessing. I'm talking about a record harvest. That's all I'm trying to say. More than you can handle. I'll pour out a blessing that you don't even have the capacity to receive. I'll give you an overflow. I fill your cup to overflowing. I bless you so much that you got to be a blessing to somebody else. That's, that's what the Lord is talking about. And that's the blessing we want and not just the, the physical blessing. So hope, hope can only come, living faith, we're talking about living faith. Hope can only come from a place of promises of the word of God. Whatever you're hoping for, you better have the promises on. If you're hoping to be married one day, it's like somebody dating um, a, a, a girl, and I'm thinking about a young man right now. 
He dated this girl for seven years or plus, and her hope was that she was going to be married to him. She had hope, but he never told her that he would marry her. But she had hope. It was false hope. If I give up some, he'll marry me. Actually, if you give up some, he probably won't marry you. <laughs> Y'all keep looking straight. Don't, don't move. Don't, I won't know it's you. <laughs> hope. <laughs> you can't hope for something that God never promised. You can't hope for a promotion you always late at the job. <laughs> the integrity of the upright should guide them. And so you, can, you may have favor. You may confess favor, but you can mess up your favor. You talk about your pastor, you'll get out of favor with them. You, 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 you cheat on your spouse, you'll get out of favor with them. You, you, you lie on your best friend, you get out of favor with them. So you can confess all day, favor of God is upon me. And you do the opposite to mess up your favor. I mean, you can, you can destroy your favor. So you understand that it's, it, we're not talking about formula, we're talking about a life, a life, hope. So in order for your faith to work, you got to have some hope. And, and my challenge to you today is to take God's word and find promises to meditate on and meditate on those promises to such an extent that you can have a sure foundation that you can expect God to do those things. The problem is that people are hoping for something God never promised, or they don't have a, fierce, a strong foundation, a true biblical knowledge of that thing that they're hoping for. It is best for you to find at least two to three scriptures on what you're believing God for. Don't just take one scripture, but take out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Find you at least two to three witnesses on what God, what God has promised you for that. If you want some wisdom, pray, look for wisdom scriptures. If you want peace, look for some peace scriptures. If you want direction, look for some guidance scriptures. And find those scriptures before you go to pray on those things. Take some time to meditate on them. Go to bed thinking about those scriptures. I told Courtney, I said, listen, we need to get scriptures that promise us that our children will not go to hell. And I said, I will walk away from ministry and never preach another word if, if, if I can prevent my children from one moment being in the world. So what can I do? Can I get the wisdom of God? So you might not have, let's say, something like that. So that lets me know I need wisdom, right? He that is wise, he that, is, he that wins souls is wise. So I need wisdom scriptures to help me to win my children to, to the Lord. I have to model, I have to preach, and I have to create a culture so strong that when they leave the house for good, then they have a sure foundation that wherever they go, that foundation is hunting them down. That we got to release the hound of heaven on their tracks. But sometimes what happens is Christians will pray a couple minutes with their kids and they have a little little cute Bible study and then they throughout their life and they might come to church and then they, the kids get older and they no wonder the kids are not serving God because they spend more time with the world training them through those devices 
than you sitting down and teaching them the word of God. So you got to find wisdom and you got to do some work, right? Amen. And so we, we have to get our hope, take the promises of God and meditate. Take some time. Well, I don't know where the promises of God. You have the internet so you can search your scriptures. And then you have just some Bibles in the back. They'll show you different subjects and you look for those subjects and you find scriptures to stand on. Take those. That's, this is why some people don't receive. It's because they have lazy faith. They're too lazy to go look for the scriptures. They'd much rather for Pastor Dwayne to text them the scriptures than to actually look, look up the scriptures themselves. Find time to look, find scriptures, find scriptures on the very thing that you're, you're, you're believing God for. Don't just pull scriptures out of his setting. You got to have, you, you got to take some time. If you're going to have living faith, you're going to have some, you got to have some living hope. My last scripture is 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. So this week, I want you to find some scriptures. I, 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 I do think when, you're, when it's not an emergency, if this works best, I do think that we rush into prayer too quickly. I think we pray about a situation before we have the word on it. And I believe the reason why sometimes the prayers are not answered is because we have no sure foundation on what we're asking for is he's going to answer it. So you got to find some scripture. You got to take the time. Well, that's work, Pastor Dwayne. You better believe it. The Christian life is spelled W-O-R-K. Just like marriage is spelled W-O-R-K. Living single and holy is spelled W-O-R-K. <laughs> it's work. Some, sometimes people think that being saved is, is, oh, it just happened. If God wants it to happen, it'll just happen. You're not going to receive. You, you got to do something. First Corinthians, First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to what? A, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope that produces a living faith. We, we, we're not without hope. People who don't have Jesus is without hope. They don't have a confident expectation. Find scriptures that promise you the very thing that you are in need of. And when you have those scriptures, take time before you pray them Take time and meditate on those scriptures. Toss those scriptures over your mind and over your spirit and begin to, to begin to change the image that you have on the inside of you. You can, you can change the software that's on the inside of you through the meditation of the promises of God. Let me give you an example, a scripture example. And this scripture example is about Abraham. God promised Abraham that he would bless him with a lot of children. He promised him, um, of course, Isaac. And he gave him a, a blueprint to go by. One of the things he did is he changed his name from Abram to Abraham. So every time Abraham was spoken, it means father of many nations. 
So he heard. Faith comes by what? And hearing what? By the word of God. So every time he heard his name, faith came. Father of many nations. Be careful what you name your children. Don't, don't give them a demonic name. You, you want to, and let's say you did, the, the blood of Jesus covers. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, oh, today I got to go change the name now. The pastor said, oh, my name is cursed. I'm not. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, right? I'm not telling you to do that. Oh, it's going to church help out to pay, change the name. You, you talked about that. <laughs> I want to get my biological father's name, you know, all kinds of stuff. Uh, we had a lady here who was going around. She's like, what's your name? You know what that means? You need to change it. You better, you know, it was a mess, foolishness. All right, so um, his name. So every time you hear Father uh, Abraham, Father of many nations. But God didn't stop there. You're hearing, right? You got to change your hearing. What are you hearing? If you got to record yourself on your phone, I'm blessed and highly favored. The Lord is with me. He goes before me. Record it and go to bed, listen it, and loop it. Changing the image. Sometimes we have received images from sin, from words, words spoken to us. Some of us have images of the enemy in us, and we play. He plays on it. You're nobody. You know you're dumb. I I had this image in me for years. Bless my grandmother and my mother and my aunts and uncles. They just didn't know it. They would say to me, me and my brother. I was son number one. He was son number two. My brother was smarter than me made dumb decisions. <laughs> so I would not understand some things. And so they begin to say, number one son is not too bright. And they said it all the time. Number one son, not too bright. I would. And then um, <clears throat> I was going to tell you the celebrity I'm related to, but I, it, it doesn't matter. You don't need to know his name. And it's not Lionel Richie. <laughs> um, so this relative that I'm related to, he's, he's, he's pretty well known. His grandmother, who was my grandmother's first cousin, used to keep me. And they would say, that boy is clumsy. Yeah, I had big feet. <laughs> it was like Bozo the Clown. And I would trip over my feet. They said, that boy, he, 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 he stumbles over his feet all the time. So between number one son, not too bright, and I'm always falling. I, it's, it got so bad that I would go up the stairs and I would trip up the stairs. And they would laugh at me. And that image got on the inside of me, and it started affecting me. And I was like, man, I can't get this. Oh, I can't get that. I can't get that. And I just couldn't. Sometimes it was, it was hard for me. I had, I had speech classes. So they talk, not only did they talk about my stumbling, my big feet, and my not brightness, they would also talk about that the fact that I couldn't talk because I was stuttered. Too ba so bad that I had a speech therapist in school <laughs> and I was trying to say words. And they said, oh, it's, it's a bad, just forget about it. The speech therapist said that. <laughs> and so I'm like, I got all these images inside of me and I hated the fact. And I was like, I, I don't ever want to talk. I don't ever want to talk. And, and, and those images got on the inside of me. 
And I began to believe those images. And I began to even say those images to myself. And then one day after praying in the spirit, and I, and I went around and said, oh, God loves me, but God likes me. And I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. And the image started changing. I started coming out. I, I, by nature, I'm a shy person. And the shyness started leaving. And all of a sudden, I began to develop this confidence that I, I, I am somebody. I am somebody. I'm loved. I'm, 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 I got, I'm God's favorite child. I heard Gloria Copeland say that, and I grabbed hold of that. That had that image. I would go to say, I'm God's favorite child. If he, if he doesn't do anything for anybody else, he'll do it for me. I began to declare those things. I, I began to say that, oh, people like me. People love me. Oh, I began to declare that to the, such an extent that people were, was lining up trying to get to know me. And even now, people fighting on me is, you know, can, can, can I be, can I be, he's, PD's my son. He, I got people fighting over me. But the image changed. It changed. And what I'm saying to you, that Abraham had no hope <laughs> that he was going to have any kid, except for the one, <laughs> the illegitimate kid, right? Uh, and he's like, and all of a sudden, the faith of God came, father of many nations. And God changed his image by saying, at nighttime, when you look up and you see the stars, that's how many kids you'll have. And then in the daytime, when you see the sand, you're going to have that many kids. Are you, are you seeing this? He began to change. The Lord began to change his image. And, and so he began to have hope that he was the father of many nations and that his kids would go so far, a number that John read, read about, wrote about in Revelation, a number that no man can number. You can't number the stars. You can't number the, the sand on the sea. And all of a sudden, he began to, 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 to develop this hope. And the Bible says he hoped against hope. He was fully persuaded of the promises of God. And you and I got to be fully persuaded. No matter what you're facing, whatever you need, you can have hope in Jesus. Whatever it is, the depression, the suicidal thoughts, the anger. I want to be free from this anger. I just find myself making dumb decisions with money. Lord, I want to have some wisdom. I, I want to be somebody. Even as the woman with the issue of blood, when she was a nobody, she was a certain woman. But when she touched Jesus, she became a somebody. Amen? Change the image on the inside of you. Begin to take those promises. Why are you taking time? I'm ready to eat. No, listen to the promises. Why take the time and change the image that that low self-esteem begin to think of yourself not more highly than you ought, but think soberly according to the grace of God. I was telling Apostle Chad recently, I said, I, my, I don't have the problem of insecurities. I know who I am. Uh, I had a pastor ask me recently about somebody leaving our church and going to their church. And I said, I said, brother, if they can get better fed at your church, I win. We win. I don't, I'm not afraid. I, I told somebody um, the other, yesterday, Minister Cleveland, I said, if God forbid everybody leaves KLM, I'll be okay. 
I'll get some sinners saved. <laughs> you know, I, you got to come to a place you're confident. And, and so this pastor was asking me, like, you know, uh, can, can, can I use this person? Can I, if they come to us, I said, absolutely. Absolutely. Please take them. <laughs> that nun tithing, but no, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll never forget this, this pastor, and, and I'm good friends with him to this day. And he was like, Pastor Dwayne, he called me PD. PD, um, um, my biggest giver is leaving. And, and I got to have a meeting with, with her and her husband. I said, Don't do that. I said, Your biggest giver didn't leave. It's Jesus. He's the biggest giver. If you think that that little amount of money, if, if it was a million dollars a week, it's nothing compared to the biggest giver, God. You got to be confident. If your business failed today <laughs> and God called you to it, oh, come on, it's just another opportunity to believe God. Let me strengthen my skills. Maybe something I'm doing wrong. Maybe I got a leadership cap on my life that I need to remove so that I can walk in the strategies that will give me success. Amen. Did you get something out of this this morning? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's, let's hope against hope. Let's believe God no matter what happens. You know, if you find yourself sick and you're on your sick bed, you believe God. If you, somebody said, what happens if you die? You don't receive your healing. Well, and you die believing God. No other way to die than to believe God. Go down believing God. And I promise you, the word of God promised you that you won't be down for long. Amen. You're going through hell. Know that heaven is on its way. Amen. You need some help. You need some joy. You need some wisdom with your marriage. Maybe you need to go to a therapist, a spirit-filled therapist. Maybe you need to read some books and go to seminars and use those things, employ those things. But those things are not your true source and true help. Amen. You got to look to the Lord. Amen. Even in the midst of your counsel and going to other people. Some people, I'm telling you, you got decisions to make and you could go through every person, you know, five people and they'll probably tell you all five different things, different things. And you're all confused. You're more confused after you ask them than you were prior to going to them. So you got to be led when you go. Amen. Hope. Get some hope today. And next week we'll talk about how faith works, how that hope, how, how faith will bring the very thing that you are believing for and you're hoping for into reality in your life. I'm, I'm telling you what I know, not what I think. Not, I'm telling you the moment that me and Courtney decided to believe God and, and, and tithe in faith, everything started going up. The moment that I decided to lose weight and, and really stick to it, everything goes up. I've, I've been struggling with fasting since I was a little boy. I remember being about six years old and, and, I, and I heard somebody talk about fasting, so I was trying to fast. And my grandma's like, honey, you don't have to do that to yourself. And that word stayed with me. And I was like, man, I don't have to do this to myself. And I've been breaking fasts every since <laughs> up to recently. She, Courtney's like, you let us, you were six years old. That was a long time ago. And you still <laughs> fast broken. <laughs> that concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. 
Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.